The Lord stated, All they that take the sword shall perish with the sword. And so, Osama bin Laden has perished, as announced by President Obama several days ago. Tonight, I can report to the American people and to the world that the United States has conducted an operation that killed Osama bin Laden, the leader of al-Qaeda, and a terrorist who's responsible for the murder of thousands of innocent men, women, and children. For over two decades, bin Laden has been al-Qaeda's leader and symbol, and has continued to plot attacks against our country and our friends and allies. The death of bin Laden marks the most significant achievement to date in our nation's effort to defeat al-Qaeda. Yet his death does not mark the end of our effort. There is no doubt that al-Qaeda will continue to pursue attacks against us. We must and we will remain vigilant at home and abroad. U.S. officials claim bin Laden's compound was an active command and control center where bin Laden remained in strategic and operational control of the organization. However, the threat of al-Qaeda continues, according to CNN special reporter Ed Hussein. And I quote, Although the jubilation in New York and outside the White House is understandable, it, sen it risks sending the message of another premature mission-accomplished moment. To put it simply, Osama bin Laden is dead, al-Qaeda is not. Removing bin Laden is a colossal psychological blow to al-Qaeda globally, but bin Laden was never the cause for al-Qaeda. The issues that motivated him are still alive and well. Al-Qaeda is a global brand, an idea, a movement, and just as he was recruited to a mindset of extremism, confrontation and violence, his death will serve as a global clarion call for another generation of jihadists. Well, this would appear to be the case this week, as a terrible suicide bombing took place in Pakistan, killing 80 and injuring another 140, the Taliban claiming responsibility. Meanwhile, the whole world is going through seismic changes as civil war and unrest sweep several Islamic nations, including Egypt, Libya, Syria, and Yemen. The situation in the Middle East in the latter days has to be one of peace. We read in Ezekiel 38 verse 11, Thou shalt say, I will go up to the land of unwalled villages. I will go to them that are at rest, that dwell safely, all of them dwelling without walls and having neither bars nor gates. Somehow, these seismic changes will eventually lead to the peace and safety situation described in the Bible, but it appears it will be a rocky road to get there. The ousting of Egypt's Hosni Mubarak led to these comments by the President of the United States of America. There are very few moments in our lives where we have the privilege to witness history taking place. This is one of those moments. This is one of those times. The people of Egypt have spoken, their voices have been heard, and Egypt will never be the same. By stepping down, President Mubarak responded to the Egyptian people's hunger for change. But this is not the end of Egypt's transition. It's a beginning. I'm sure there will be difficult days ahead, and many questions remain unanswered. But I am confident that the people of Egypt can find the answers and do so peacefully, constructively, and in the spirit of unity that has defined these last few weeks. For Egyptians have made it clear that nothing less than genuine democracy will carry the day.
Well, Obama was correct. This is just the beginning, and democracy will carry the day. However, the end result might not be what the West was wanting. The Wall Street Journal reported this week an expert on the Egyptian army said the ruling military council is committed to a democratic transition, and will back whoever the people elect. I quote. I think the military council and the military people in general are thinking the same way I am. That if we put conditions on anybody, this is not democracy. End quote. Said Mohammed Kadri Sayed, a retired army major general who is an analyst for the Egyptian Center for Political and Strategic Studies. Into the void left by the ousting of Mubarak, extremist elements are pouring in. The same article stated a popular reformist leader in Egypt's Muslim Brotherhood said he will run for president, in a move that raises the possibility that Islamist politicians could dominate the country's presidency and the parliament. The Muslim Brotherhood, though outlawed under the Mubarak regime, is the country's most powerful political organization. Having built support throughout the country as a health and education charity, Dr. Abul Fatoa's decision to run for president worried moderate Egyptian Muslims and the country's Christian minority, who have anxiously watched the recent political rise of Islamists and have been shaken by months of violence. Or violent sectarian clashes. Sectarian riots on Saturday killed 15 people and wounded, wounded several hundred in an impoverished Cairo suburb. End quote. So once again, democracy proves to be the Achilles' heel for the Western world. It was American insistence that unrestricted democracy be allowed in Yugoslavia following the death of communist dictator Tito. Civil war ensued and led to the dividing of the country into ethnic sections. The terrorist group Hamas was democratically elected in Gaza, and the Western world had to live with the decision made by the people. Egypt may be on a similar track. Democracy, the frog-like demonic spirit described in the Book of Revelation, are the forces that will eventually bring all nations down into the Middle East. We read they are the spirits of devils working miracles, which go forth unto the kings of the earth and of the whole world to gather them to the battle of the great day of God Almighty, Revelation sixteen fourteen. These foolish teachings will bring the entire world eventually to Jerusalem. The precedent currently being used by the nations of the world in taking police action against Libya, Afghanistan, Iraq, and others may well pave the way for the pretense to go down into the land of Israel and settle the issue. Well, Joel describes the invading of Israel as parting the land. We read in Joel three verse two, "I will gather all nations and will bring them down into the valley of Jehoshaphat and will plead with them there for my people and for my heritage Israel, whom they have scattered amongst the nations and parted my land." The word "part" is the Hebrew word "kalach," which means to distribute, divide up, apportion. This will be the goal of the nations. They want to carve up Israel amongst themselves when they come down. And if the Palestinians think they will get anything, they are hopelessly naive. The latter-day king who does according to his will of Daniel chapter eleven verse thirty-six, who is magnified above all and honors protector gods or church saints, as we discussed recently in the Bible and the news, is the Roman Catholic Church. This is the man of sin of Second Thessalonians chapter two. His designs are described in Daniel eleven verse thirty-nine. He shall cause them to rule over many, and shall divide the land for gain. The Vatican is very interested in dividing the land for gain, along with the military invaders. 
Is it any surprise, then, to find Catholic priests giving prayers over the dead bodies of Israel's enemies, such as Gaddafi's son? The Vatican will continue to align itself with those who want to the destruction of the state of Israel until it has achieved its goal of dividing the land for gain. And for that, God will bring them into judgment. In the meantime, the caretaker government of Egypt has just brokered a peace deal between the two rival Palestinian factions, Fatah and Hamas. They definitely have their sights set on Israel. Hamas leader Ismail Hanani made a public statement after Osama bin Laden's death. He said, We condemn the assassination and the killing of the Arab holy warrior. We ask God to offer him mercy with true believers and the martyrs. Well, during the ceremonial speeches led by Hamas leader Ismail Hanani, he pointed out where the Fatah Hamas policy is going. Our first and true battle is with the Israeli enemy and not with the Palestinian factions or among sons of one homeland. The Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu was quick to comment on the agreement during his visit to Britain. What happened today in Cairo is a tremendous blow to peace uh, and a great victory for terrorism. Uh, three days ago, terrorism was dealt a resounding defeat with uh, the elimination of bin Laden. Today in Cairo, it had a victory because when Abu Mazen, the head of the Palestinian Authority, embraces Hamas, an organization that two days ago condemned the American action against bin Laden, praises bin Laden uh, to the gills as some great martyr for emulation. Uh, when he uh, embraces this organization that is committed to Israel's destruction, fires rockets on our cities, just fired a, a rocket on a school bus. This is a, a tremendous setback for peace uh, and a great, uh, a great advance for terror. What we hope uh, will happen is that we find peace and the only way we can make peace is with our neighbors who want peace. Those who want to eliminate us, those who practice terror against us, are not partners for peace. So while the Americans celebrate the death of Osama bin Laden, Israel is still expected to negotiate with those who praise bin Laden as a martyr of the Islamic cause and still determined to see Israel destroyed. Israel desperately needs divine intervention as all nations are turning against it. True peace will only be achieved by Messiah in the time when the Lord shall fight against those nations as would he fought in the day of battle, Zechariah 12, verse 3, and deliver Israel. Today is Israel's 63rd birthday, a testimony to Bible prophecy and the truth of God's word. It is the nucleus of the coming kingdom of God, and do what they will, mankind will never be able to destroy it. In fact, it will destroy the kingdoms of the world under the leadership of Jesus Christ, when as the kingdom of God it will break in pieces and consume all these kingdoms, and it shall stand forever. Daniel 2 verse 44. Join us next week for another edition of The Bible in the News. This has been Jonathan Bowen.